You're listening to American Timelines by History for Jerks, the greatest podcast ever. With a no. wiki, wiki, wiki. Welcome, yo. Welcome to yo. another episode of American, American Timelines. Time I'm Amy. I'm Ezekiel Cheever. Okay, and I am no, a Joe. winnower. No, um, no, no. I like okay. to clip enough. my neighbor's toenails uh, while sobbing. Okay, that's enough. That's Joe, and we are. My name's some, actually Joe. We are podcasters. Somebody. I guess we're podcasters now. We can well, say we're almost this. We will be podcasters at the end of the, this episode okay episode 25 so now we are officially podcasters so we are podcasters who are fascinated with pop culture and um fascinated well that's why we do this we're fascinated by pop culture and things of the past and nostalgia and murder especially you i don't care for murder i actually you're getting kinda, into it I, no i actually kind of wish that there weren't murders. no you are kind of getting into it i know you need you're like murders. a really good detective you need more and more murders in order to be entertained no that's... you need more people to die so that you can watch a show about it. I myself I enjoy watch a show about it. I like pro wrestling. Okay, so let's well, let's start with May. What, May. Okay, so the first thing I have for May is May seventh, nineteen eighty-eight. Mm-hmm. A new number one single by a young man named Terrence Trent Darby. Yes. Um, he people are fanatical about Terrence Trent Darby. I still what? see to this day. Oh, you're making I see people up. with Terrence Trent Darby shirts walking around everywhere. Can you think of any other songs he's ever done? I feel like there was one. There was one other one, but I can't remember. Here's a funny thing. I I completely forgot about Terrence Trent Darby. Yeah. The only time I've ever heard him, probably in the last ten years, was uh, a good friend of ours, beautiful Rich Helen, mentions him as like a kitsch go to reference. Yeah. He just calls people Terrence Trent Darby sometimes. Um, Yeah, I haven't heard about him since this time period. He adopted a new name. Oh, he, he, he did? changed his name to Sananda Maitre. Oh, did he do a Cat Stevens? Maitre- Maitreya. Is he now like Sananda him? Maitreya, which he said relates to a series of dreams he had in 1995. What? Yeah, he had a bunch of dreams in 1995. Though it does not have any religious affiliations, the name means rebirth in Sanskrit. So he woke up after having a dream and said, oh, I'm no longer Terrence Trent Darby. So he oh legally God. changed his name six years later in October 2001, explaining Terrence Trent Darby is dead. Whoa. He watched his suffering as he died a noble death. After intense pain, I meditated for a new spirit, a new will, and a new identity. And I think he maybe recorded some songs or something. Maybe he was on some drugs. Terrence Trent Darby's dead, so no one is walking uh, around like saying, he's, he's, oh, hi, I'm recording artist Terrence Trent Darby. Sounds like he's on some psychedelic drugs is what it sounds like. <laughs> well, I don't know. I might change my name after some dreams. And then that same day that Terrence Trent Darby was the number one song, but before he changed his name, the Kentucky Derby winner. Oh, Jesus. I, I don't know why this is still a thing. Uh, this one, I don't even know how to make you guess it. I don't want to guess it. That's, I mean, I don't ever want to guess it. You kind of want to guess no. it? No. Winning Colors. Like, how would I even guess that? We'd well, be here all fucking night. Maybe if you did some homework. Maybe a little bit of homework. I had to do my homework. Maybe a little bit of on the, on dedication. On the important part, I do my homework. How about, what did you say? On the important part, I do my homework. Oh, I thought homework. you said something about porn. Uh, I'm just saying, how about a little dedication to a podcast? Hmm? Do you all want right. this podcast to succeed, or do you want it to fail? All right, what were we talking about? Maybe become a Kentucky Derby enthusiast. Oh, the Kentucky Derby. Then yeah. Sunday, May 8th, the day after, Winning Colors won the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. Well, well, do horses poop while they run, you think? 
Yeah. All the racing? I don't know about racing. So winning colors were shitting everywhere I, I was running? No, I don't think they race and poop. They don't poop as they're running They poop speed. as they, like, walk and canter. Like, as they're getting up to the starting line, I don't know they about drop canter. a bunch of poop? Uh, they might, they might, I think I've seen them poop while they trot. What's a canter? It's a faster than a trot, but it's not a gallop. How do they spell canter? C-A-N-T-E-R. Huh. Never heard that word. Well, my mom's a horse nut. <laughs> I know a lot about horses. You learn a different word every day. Yep. Never heard the word canter? And I did just now. I didn't suck in before I drank that beer. Good job. I learned that from you last yep. week. Forgot about that. I've also been doing that other times when I drink water and stuff, too. I realized I was doing that all the time. Really? Yep. Okay, so on Sunday, May 8th, a lot of people don't know this. That's why you're such a loud drinker. That makes all the sense I'm in the I'm afraid I'm going to die while I'm drinking it, so I need a deep breath like I'm going we've underwater. Solved the, we've solved a <laughs> yes. major character yeah. flaw of yours. Character flaw? We solved it, though, uh, honey. Uh, maybe. It's a great thing. I just have to remember. I don't have to suck in. <laughs> I don't need a... Inhale. I don't have to have my lungs completely full before I take a sip. <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> That's how I was always taught that, I guess. Take a deep breath. So many more people are going to like me now. I know. So many people hating me. That's right. Okay, a lot of people don't know this, but Sunday, May 8th, 1988, was mm-hmm. actually the first Jason Bourne movie. Really? That seems yeah. so early. Yeah, a lot of people think of Jason Bourne as being uh, a recent. What's thing. his name? That uh, Ma- Matthew Gretz. Gr- Damon. Grain- Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Are you sure? Ben Ma- Affleck? Matt Damon. Matt Damon. We say Bat Damon. You think I said Bat Damon? I thought that's what you said. I don't know why what, would I say that? Because, yeah, well, you say a lot of dumb things. You thought there was a. Oh my God. You thought there was a show based off of a cereal. All right, all right, all <laughs> the right. The eighteen was based off a of cereal. All right. What's uh, the oats and marshmallows going up? Okay. Anyway. Uh, so no, so everybody thinks of Matt Damon, but no, it, this one starred Richard Chamberlain, Jacqueline Smith, really, and Anthony Quayle, and it was a TV movie. Oh, TV movie. Yeah. 1988. The Born so, Identity was a yeah, TV movie. Now yeah. it makes sense. Uh, it wasn't the. It wasn't. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I guess it was the Born Identity. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yep. Jacqueline so, Smith, so yeah. 80s. Yeah. She's my Charlie's Angel. She's one of the Charlie's Angels, right? Yes. Um, she also was in Police Academy, I think, right? No. She would never. <laughs> she would never stoop that <laughs> no. low. And then on May 14th, Saturday, uh, the Miami Sound Machine took over the top spot in the Billboard charts. Mm-hmm. And I don't know this song, and I didn't. Is that conga? I think I missed this one. I don't remember looking it up or anything either. So it's called Anything For You. I would do anything for you. Yeah, I did. Anything for you. It's ballad. It's crap. Yeah, I can hear that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, who cares about that? Right? It's total crap. It's total crap. Saturday, May 28th, 1988, all the way to June 17th. So we won't have another one for a while. George Michael takes over the Billboard charts, and this song was the fifth of seven singles to be released from oh. his debut solo album, Faith. Oh, what this was it? This is the fifth of seven, straight. Yeah. And this is a ballad at six minutes in length. What is it? The song lyrically explores a young man's hesitancy to enter or revisit a new relationship because he had been emotionally hurt it's, so many times previously. I think I liked this song, too. What is it? The song concludes with Temptation taking over, and Michael ends by singing the title for the only time. He only says it one time in the song. Oh, the God. What's the song? One more try. Oh, yes. What, um, how did it go? And I don't remember how it goes because he only says one it. One more at try end. at the end. One more. Uh, let me gonna give it one more try. Like right at the end. But, oh, man. I know I listened I think to I it. Liked the, I think I liked this. This is one of the few ballads I actually liked. Yeah, because he, uh, he says. Isn't it funny that a lot of this music we, you never hear anymore? Like well, when, well, ballads we don't from the eighties. Why would anyone play those? I know, like, even, but even when play, people play eighty songs, they never play ballads. It's all the yeah, dun, 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 yeah. Dun, 
that's all the fun dance ones because who would want to relive funny, a ballad? A whole, it's basically a whole genre of music that's no longer. First oh, I loved town, this boom. song. Oh, just let me go. I loved that song. I gotta admit, this is pretty good. He's a good-looking man. I mean, I know he was real yeah, gay. Yeah, I'm becoming gay. Right you're, now, you're turning into him. gay looking at him because he's hot. I would, he's I hot. would think of him while making love to you for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's hot. Anyway, that's George Michael. Yeah, that was that probably holds up more than other ballads. Yeah, I think that's ballads. a good one. It's not a crappy, cheesy ballad. No, least, I like but. that song. Um, and then on Friday, June third, yeah. we're in the summer, the hot summer, 1988. The movie Big came out. Yes, I remember that. And uh, do you remember the big piano mm-hmm. scene, FIO right, Schwartz. where they, they're walking yeah. on the piano? Robert Loggia was in that with them, right? You yeah. that was Robert Loggia? Yep. I didn't remember that was Robert Loggia. I thought it was something I, Henry kid. watched Big. That's why we have it. Oh, you watched it recently? Yeah. Well, uh, Robert Loggia, on the day they filmed the famous keyboard scene, yeah. uh, he and Tom Hanks noticed that uh, doubles dressed like them were on hand just in case the two could not do the dance moves correctly. Oh. Uh, but that upped the ante for both. They, didn't, they weren't expecting that. They were like, oh, shit. Yeah. Well, when we're doing this, we're not letting those guys. You know, oh, okay. So it kind of dared them to yeah. get it right. So it came their goal to do the entire keyboard number without the aid of the doubles, and they succeeded. Good. Yeah. Pe- this made Penny Marshall the first female director to ever direct a movie that grossed more than one hundred million dollars at the box office. Wow, that's and good. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember what was the first African American man? What that got that made directed a movie that became the oh, first to make um, hundred million? Lee? We talked about it in a previous episode. Sidney Poitier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember what movie, though. I can't either. Anyway, one other thing about that giant piano, mm-hmm. um, they had they custom-built that for the movie because they, they had big pianos like that, but the one that they had wasn't big enough to play that song or whatever. It was. Oh, so, so they had to make, they had to make a bigger one because they wanted it to be that song, I think. How, think about how long they had to rehearse that. Oh, to get that two, whole thing right? I know, and two non-dancers. Yeah. You can't pick up stuff real quick, you know? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that was a good movie. I don't know if it holds up. It does not hold up. It doesn't, right? Because no. there's weird stuff about sleeping well, with a kid. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of rapey. Mm-hmm, it is. <laughs> Everything's rapey from the 80s. Yep. And then on June 18th, uh, finally, George Michael was mm-hmm. dethroned by a young man named Rick Astley, who oh, previously, we, no, we've talked about him already, Rick Rolling. Remember we already talked about Oh, Rick that's Rolling. right. That's right. Yeah, this is another one. Yeah. So What's his other song? This is another one that I don't. I think I might know it. Again, it's been so long that I've looked at any of these. What was it? How does it? This one's it called, called "Together Forever." Oh, "Together Forever and Ever." Yeah, it's awful. But sounds just like the rest. Don't of them. You know Never gonna give you up. Never. I'm together forever. Never I think I think "Together Forever" is even worse than uh, "Never Gonna Give You Up." So you think that should be the Rick Roll song? No, because Put that in Goatsy's. Because <laughs> Goatsy's anus. Because the other one is so Rick Astley. I think is why it is. They're also Rick Astley. Yeah. Together forever. He's awful. Oh, he is terrible. I wonder what happened to him. Oh, uh, we should do that research. He's probably around somewhere. Yeah, he probably loves being Rick Rolled. I wonder if he does. Does he hate it? Like, is he yeah. embarrassed? Do you think? Does he just change his name and go by? I don't know. I hope he loves it. Maybe he had a dream like Terrence Trent. Maybe he goes by Terrence Trent Darby now. That could be. You never know. <laughs> he should. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Tuesday, June twenty first, nineteen eighty eight. Your favorite part of every episode: the Western Conference champion Los Angeles Lakers defeated the Eastern Conference champion Detroit Pistons four games to three. All right. Now this was around the time. Where the Detroit was building their team with Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas mm-hmm. and Dennis Rodman and those guys. Okay. But they still couldn't beat the Lakers because the Lakers were good too. So there's a lot of good battles those years. Okay. Um, the Lakers were Pat Riley and um, Magic Johnson and those guys. Um, yeah, there was something with. I think this year, uh, Pat Riley. 
uh, invented the term three-peat. Oh, okay. Because there was repeat champions, and then he coined the term. Okay. And he actually got it patented or something, so that when... I don't think I've ever said that in my life. Three-peat? Yeah. Well, you would only use it in sports. Like, oh, okay. You know, NFL teams, like the 49ers, That's are, like, three common thing for them to say. say. Oh, we're going to three-peat. You know, like the, oh. the Patriots are always going to three-peat because they've won a bunch of Super Bowls or whatever, but... That's dumb. Somewhere I read that Pat Riley gets paid every time somebody says that. Somehow what? He gets, he gets money because he, he coined, coined the it. term. I don't know if that's exactly how it works, but. Jeez, you could be a millionaire. Just think of something snappy to say. I heard. I read somewhere he, he got paid $300,000 because somebody had wanted to use that term. I don't know if that's exactly. I don't, I'm not remembering it exactly. Okay. It is probably, but. And then on Wednesday, mm-hmm. June 22nd, we're getting the summer, so the summer movies are coming out, babe. Woo-hoo. Wednesday, Jan- June 22nd, 1988, 1988, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yes. Remember that movie? Yes, I do. do you, did you see it in the theater? I think, you think so, yeah. Did you love it? I think I liked it a lot. You did? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was loosely based off a true conspiracy by General Motors to purchase and dismantle streetcar systems in American cities in the first half of the 20th century. Boo. Yeah. Boring. Gosh. I'm not surprised at all they would want to do that because yeah. sell gas, you know, right? Yeah. And sell cars. Only time, oh, this is also the only time Warner Brothers characters and Disney characters appear together. Since, oh, that's true. And since the movie was being made by Disney, uh, Touchstone Pictures, Warner Brothers would only allow the use of their biggest tune stars, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, if mm-hmm. they got an equal amount of screen time as Disney's biggest stars, Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. Mm. Because of this, both sets of characters are always together in frame when on the screen. Oh, that makes it easy. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? No, I never would have thought about that at all. But no. I do remember it being unbelievable to see Daffy Duck and Donald Duck in that yeah. piano scene together. Like, yeah. That was so cool. I don't, I don't remember Who Framed Roger Rabbit that much. Uh, yeah, that's that's all I remember. Is, oh, I remember that and you remember Jessica's Jessica boobs. Rabbit, yeah. Jessica Rabbit had the big giant boobs and, um, and yeah. It's pretty I don't much I really remember much else. Yeah. Or it's supposed to be like groundbreaking. Oh, cartoons and people together. Mm-hmm. And then uh, three days later, Debbie Gibson on June 25th oh, God. takes over the Billboard charts. With a crappy song. This is a, Yeah, this is one that wasn't, I don't think she's known for this one, but but this was her, this is, what, this is what made her the youngest artist to write, produce, and perform a number one single on the Billboard Hot 100. Okay, what was it? Foolish Beat. I don't remember that one. It's crappy. Yeah, I'm sure. All of her music was crappy. I wonder how old she was, if she was the youngest. 16. Oh, okay. There wasn't anybody ever younger than 16? No, I don't think so. That's interesting. I think she was 16. Um, what was her biggest song, though? What was her... I can't remember. Electric Love? Youth. That was her album, right? That's The song was Electric Youth. Electric Youth. I, I remember that. I remember, shake your love. I just can't shake well, that's your love. One, shake that's your hers, butt. right? Yeah, I think that was the big one. It could be. I don't know. I don't remember. But Foolish Beat, yeah, I watched it, and she looks real young. It's like... She's, you know, she's breaking up with boys, but she's, yeah. you can't take it seriously. She's like a kid. She's right. like a child. All right. Maybe she was 14, but I think she was 16. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I looked at, I got, I fell in this, in this wormhole of looking up Debbie Gibson stuff. When Jeez, I was looking this up. really? And she's beautiful now. She yeah. still looks fabulous. I don't think she does anything. Like she's not, I don't think she's, she's, she's not putting out new music or anything, but she oh, okay. looks great. Oh, well, that's good. She still, she's like, has, she's aged well. Mm, that's good. You, know, you just wonder, like some of them just become like, yes, just Yes. Just rode hard and put away wet. I mean, really. Like Tiffany probably doesn't look good anymore. I don't know. She probably looks rough. She probably looks like Bonnie Raitt. She might not. <laughs> Jeez, poor Bonnie Raitt. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Man. <laughs> Bonnie Raitt never looked good, though, but she sang good. Right. Remember Rich Michael singing Bonnie Raitt songs? Yes. <laughs> uh, Rich Michael is a old All right. Nobody cares. guy we used to Nobody sing cares. with in the 90s. Sometime in July, this happened at a meeting. Mm-hmm. 
there was a meeting uh, at the shoe company Nike. Yeah. They where they came up with a slogan. Okay. It was a July nineteen eighty eight an advertising agency meeting. Uh, the founder mm-hmm. of, just do uh, it. of the Whedon Kennedy Agency, mm-hmm. Dan Whedon, credits the inspiration for his Just Do It Nike slogan mm-hmm. to Gary Gilmore's last words. Okay. Who's Let, Gary Gilmore? Let's do it. He said, let's do it. Gary, Who's Gary Gilmore? I thought for sure you would be like, oh, really? Oh, my God, I can't believe that because I know who Gary, Gary Mark Gilmore is, one of your kind of people. What? He was an American criminal who gained international attention for demanding the implementation of his death sentence for two murders he committed in Utah. He was executed on January 17th, 1977 at oh. 8 in the morning by firing squad at, at Utah State Prison in wow. Draper, Utah. The night before, Gilmore had requested an all-night gathering of friends and family at the prison mess hall. On the evening before his execution, he was served a last meal of steak, potatoes, milk, and coffee, but consumed only the milk and coffee. Mm-hmm. His uncle, Vern, who attended the gathering, later claimed to have smuggled in three small 50-milliliter Jack Daniels whiskey bottles, which Gilmore supposedly consumed. Mm-hmm. In the morning at the time of the execution, Gilmore was transported to an abandoned cannery behind the prison, mm-hmm. which served as its death house. He was strapped to a chair with a wall of sandbags placed behind him to trap the bullets. Five gunmen, local police officers, stood concealed behind a curtain with five small holes through which they aimed their rifles. When, when asked for any last words, Gilmore simply replied, let's do it. But he didn't say just do it. No, he said let's do it. So they changed it to just do it for Nike. Oh, that's not really the same thing. Uh, let's do it, just do it. They probably were going to call it let's do it, then just change it. but that's okay. what inspired him to come up with just do okay. it. That's interesting. Isn't that weird that yeah, they that named that after that? After that guy dying in the execution. Well, and then I didn't realize they, they, uh, it's weird they put the holes there to shoot him, but I, I didn't realize also why they do a firing squad is just because no one wants the guilt of killing someone, so they just all shoot at the they same time. They all shoot because so then they, you never know. That's right. Says, nobody, knows who, nobody knows who did who it. Who like, so, the final, so nobody the feels bad. Like, I didn't shot. kill him. Anybody could have killed him. I didn't know that's why they did a firing squad. I thought it was because they really wanted to kill him really hard. Yeah, <laughs> I always thought that too. They just want to make sure he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> make sure you get enough holes in the guy. Yeah. But I read, yeah, when I was reading this, I was like, oh, well, I guess that yeah, makes, that makes sense. sense. That makes, that makes much more sense. Makes sense. That, who's going to want to do that? Like, I never once thought about somebody feeling, oh, oh no, I don't want to shoot a person. Yeah. I just assume there's tons of people that love to shoot somebody. But no, they don't want to feel bad about it. So July 2nd, 1988, Michael Jackson took over the number one spot on the Billboard charts. Did we do Man in the Mirror yet? Uh, no, I don't think maybe we did. I don't know, but it's, it's not that. Oh, okay. This one has a guitar solo played by Steve Stevens. You remember who Steve Stevens is? No. He was Billy Idol's guitarist. Okay. He's always Billy Idol and Steve Stevens. Does that help you? No. Think of a guitar solo. Mm-hmm. Dirty Diana. Oh, okay. Oh. No, I wouldn't have guessed that. I can't think of that. Like, I, I know how it goes, but I can't think of much anything yeah, more than what really, you just sang. It's kind of guitar. There's a cool guitar solo, but it was like... Uh, was that off his bad album, too? Phone. It must have been on bad. She said, he's not coming home because he's sleeping with me. Dirty Diana. Yeah. That was on bad, yeah. That was a good one, too. Mm-hmm. It was a really good song. Yeah, Michael Jackson can't deny it. Drake apparently just came out with a new album, and he's got Michael Jackson performing on it. Oh, really? So there's conspiracy theories that Michael Jackson's still alive now. Oh, come on. No, I'm just kidding. I think it's... I don't. I haven't listened to it. I don't know anything. All I saw is the headline that Michael Jackson's family is upset oh. by it or something. His but, dad just recently died. Yeah, Joe Jackson died, yeah. And, and I can't help but chuckle. At the, I don't know if this is a joke is in poor taste, but I saw it in several places on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere, and uh, people were saying... Because they, they announced he was dying of cancer a couple yeah. days before he actually died. That's right. And they said, well, if they would just name the cancer Michael, he'll beat it. Oh, bad. Yeah, is it a poor taste? Yeah. <laughs> is it like 
because it's making fun of the child abuse or, or a cancer person dying? It's more of the child abuse. It's more of the child abuse, yeah. Because he's a terrible person, so we yeah. want him to die, right? But we still don't want anyone to die of cancer? Or right. There's multiple, multiple layers of, of bad taste there, I guess. But the child abuse is the worst That's of the part. It. Yeah, it's not funny. Yeah, so. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you know a joke's not yeah. funny, but you still. You got to say, what is it? And then you got to be like, now why don't I like, why is it not okay to laugh at that? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not going to judge other people for laughing at it. Yeah, but it's I'm like, not going to say it's not okay to laugh at it. Right, I'm just you're not going to be say, hurt by somebody laughing at it, but. But I just don't laugh yeah, at it. Like, I don't yeah, think it's funny. Yeah, that's not. Because that's not okay. everybody's sense of humor is different. That's true. Except, except Rick Ocasek's. His is exactly like everyone else's. It doesn't make any sense. He, he was from the cars. You should have said his was exactly like yours. That would have made more sense. No, everyone's is different except Rick Ocasek's. His is not different. <laughs> cheap <laughs> cheap trick. Cheap trick then on July 9th. What? July 9th, Cheap Trick took over the spot. Cheap, Cheap Trick? Cheap Trick. Didn't they sing My Sharona? The Flame. How does that go? So, I couldn't remember either, so I clearly left myself a note so I'd remember. Mm-hmm. But it's not ringing any bells, so I'll just say what I wrote and see if you remember okay. it. Wherever you go, I'll be with you. Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Oh, God, Whenever you need someone. Whenever you need someone. It's more in the... I kind of b- remember it now, but barely. There's like... like, there's like parts pop, of, pop music was so weird in the 80s because it was either real bubblegummy mm-hmm. or it was more like, you know, this will be in a classic rock station someday, kind yeah. of. You know what I mean? Or those ballads that are just... More like, like Hoosier Rock or something. The ballads are so... But the ballads are like on an 80s soft station. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Or in a dentist's office or something. And then Wednesday, July 20th, 1988... Movies changed forever with one of the coolest and best movies ever. Mm-hmm. What is it? Bruce Willis. Die Hard. Die Hard. I went with my cousin, Katie. You do? Yep. You did? Yep. You remember? Her mom took us. Now, did you guys think he was hot? I don't Or were no, you just I, like, oh, he's an old man? I don't remember. remember thinking he was hot. But he was cool I, and I think I think I did think and he was kind of cute. And I remember Katie and Joy thought he was cute, I think. Really? Yeah. Uh, in the original novel, the action took place over three days. Uh but John McTiernan was inspired to have it take place over a single night, but he's in, because he was inspired by Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh. That makes sense, I guess. And in the spring of 1987, producer Joel Silver and director John McTiernan had attended a performance of the play Dangerous Liaisons, in which Alan Rickman played the evil victim de Valmont. Vic, did I say it? Valmont, yeah. Valmont. Immediately, Silver and McTiernan realized they had found Hans Gruber. Sweet. Yeah, he was good in that. Alan Rickman was really good in those. Yep. And when John McClane runs through glass shards in his bare feet, uh, after Hans and his men shoot out the glass partitions yep. in the computer room, that part. Bruce Willis is, in fact, wearing special rubber shoes designed to look like feet. Huh. <laughs> so I want to go back and look I at know. that and see his rubber feet. So you can, in fact, see it if you look closely at his, as his feet appear quite unnaturally large in some of these crucial barefoot scenes. Oh, funny. Yeah, yeah I want to see that again. Yeah, I want to go back and see That's a great movie. Henry might like that movie at his age. Yeah, it's pretty violent. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. violent shootings, a lot of blood. But I think I was around, well, no, no, not right. 88, I, you were 40. Yeah, I was 15, I think, or 16. 15, I think. No, I was 12. I saw it. I was his age. Oh, I, I was, I'm fine. I, was, I haven't killed anybody. I was 16 then, so... Yeah, he could probably watch it. I think he'd like it. Yeah, I think he would too. It's pretty violent, but he's, you know, he's, yeah. he can handle it. He, he watched Billy Madison, so. Oh my God, I can't believe he watched that. <laughs> he, loved all the, he loved all the dirty scenes. I'm sure. There's the, he called the shit poop. That was his favorite part. And then Saturday, July 23rd, 1988, Richard Marks takes over the number one oh spot Lord. in the Billboard charts with. I can't remember what it is. I, I'll remember it. Tell me what this what it says. I'll probably I remember it. Uh, 
Hold on to the nights. Hold on to the night. Hold on to, to the, the memories. <laughs> Richard Marks is terrible. Yeah, I look I, I looked this video up and like immediately just started laughing at his hair. Like his hair is just yes. like ridiculously he was large. Ridiculous 80s looking. Hair. Mm-hmm. One time uh <laughs> this is funny, my uh my godmother was, was a super nice woman, mm-hmm. right? She yeah. was like um she was a little bit older and so her presence every year, like she didn't know what to buy for us as kids. So my brother John was in high school. Yeah. And about this time, she bought him a Richard Marks CD uh, tape. <laughs> tape. tape. Probably yeah. CDs weren't out yet. Yeah, that's right. She bought him a Richard Marks tape. And we're all like, ha, oh, Richard funny. Marks. Oh, I've got a Richard Marks tape. So it's kind of a joke that we had that Richard Marks, because Richard Marks was not. No, he was that, awful. That anybody liked. But I mean, it was very nice of her. So if she's listening, Carol, sorry we laughed at your present, but um, it was the thought that counts. That's right. Carol Rose, everybody. And then on Saturday, July 30th, mm-hmm. uh, Steve Winwood. Uh, Again. Oh, oh, wait. One thing about the Richard Marks song mm-hmm. that uh, that song prevented Def Leppard's "Pour Some Sugar on Me" from reaching oh, the top spot. Oh my god, like, that's funny. It was trending to go that yeah. way, and Richard Marks like just took over, just keeping "Pour Some Sugar on Me," which being, is a great yeah, song. Is. That holds up for sure. I still yeah. to rock out to that in my Prius with my shirt off. All right, but not Richard Marks. But then on July thirtieth, nineteen eighty-eight, Steve Winwood took over mm-hmm. with the, probably the only song I would ever think of when I hear Steve Winwood. I can't think of a song when I hear when I hear his. Is it? Roll with it, baby. Oh right, come on and just roll, roll with it. My aunt baby. Kathy liked that song. I just roll with it, baby. Yeah, anybody who was in their forties, yeah. then would love that. They song. loved that song. Yeah, I didn't love it until I turned forty. Forty and fifty-year-old moms love that kind of. Motivation. Well, I started loving that song as soon as I turned forty. I was like, I hated it, hated it, hated it. Oh, oh, I'm forty now. I love Steve Winwood. <laughs> That's what happens. But is he Bruce Hornsby? Is he Glenn Fry? Yeah. I don't know. I get them all mixed up. Okay. They're the same exact person. And if they're not the same person, can we just can we just merge them into one person so, so we don't have so many crappy 80s songs? So you, you don't have to be, you can be intellectually lazy when you're thinking about them. Right. Basically. And then Monday, August 1st, 1988, it was a Monday. Yep. And um, that's when uh, A Nightmare on My Street came out. Oh, the, the sequel? No, A Nightmare on My Street, the song from DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince. No, that wasn't a number one. No, no. I didn't say it was a number You're one. You're just throwing that in there because you want to talk about it. No, I'm throwing it in there because remember the previous episode we talked about, oh, I had you guess. That's right. There was two Nightmare on Elm Street songs yeah. that came out that year. Which one, one was the official one? One was official and one, they had a guy who's, right. who yep. tried to imitate Freddy. And uh, one group got sued and one didn't. And you would think the Fat Boys would be the ones that got sued. That's right. Because Fresh Prince, as well, I don't know, they just seem more legit. But nope, they got sued. Um New Line Cinema sued DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince for copyright infringement, forcing the label to destroy a music video produced for the song. Both sides eventually settled out of court, but as a result, the final pressings of the album, He's the DJ on the Rapper, contain a disclaimer sticker that says, This song is not part of the soundtrack and is not authorized, licensed, or affiliated with the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Boom. Yeah. So there you go. All right. And then Monday, August 8, 1988, the lights go on in Wrigley Field which had been the only major league park where night games were not played until oh, August 8th of 1988. Really? I didn't yep. know that. And there was a huge fight, and there's a big, there's a podcast that maybe, and now you probably wouldn't like it, but it's generally sports-themed. Yeah. It's it's based off the 30 for 30 show mm-hmm. on ESPN, mm-hmm. which is a sort of a documentary on sports right. show. And then they have a podcast on it, which is good, too. And there's one you can listen and download. It's all about Wrigley Field and the lights. Oh. It's really interesting because there was a huge fight mm-hmm. uh, uh, between people in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and putting the lights up, and it was a whole thing about um, 
man, there's a whole bunch of stuff about you know what people wouldn't have thought about because it. it's in a neighborhood it's like one of the yeah. only stadiums that's like in i know it's people's right there neighborhood so those, putting those lights up and having the night games and people are trying to sleep and work right. or whatever and it became like a whole thing because then it's yeah. not like you know night games it's it's not like the game when the game's over it's all just gone quiet it's like right everyone goes to bars and yeah like party, there's drunk people everywhere so it's it was just a different thing but there's all it's really interesting to, huh. to listen to that podcast because uh, it really talks about the fight and how long the fight was and mm-hmm. and Major League Baseball and the commercials and everything else that went along with it was all involved. And, really? Um, yeah, so there's all kinds of Well, because of, of course they wanted to play at night because that was, the, how, that would have been big money for oh, them. So many more games and... Yeah, uh, they would have made a shit ton more money. Yeah. Um, there's some other things that I hadn't thought about either that came up with it, but I, I don't remember what it was now, but uh, it was really interesting. Okay. Because their schedule, like the Cubs' schedule, always had to be different than everyone else's because they didn't had no home night games. You know? Right. Um, and I think they even said it had it contributed to the Cubs not winning very much because they really. They, so it's not a curse. <laughs> no, it was a curse too. But I, I can't I remember why. I mean, there's some reasoning that it was. Like, oh, it would see, make more sense. They're not winning as much because they can't have these games that are. Oh, because it's so hot. Because mm-hmm. they had to play oh. all their games throughout the summer were so yeah. hot because they were all played during the daytime. In the hot heat of the day. So at night sense. it's cooler and people can play better and they were fatigued and, and players would do worse. Yeah, that, that was why. Yeah. So okay. Anyway, at 6.05 p.m., 91-year-old Cubs fan Harry Grossman began the countdown to turn the lights on at Wrigley Field on August 8th. Okay. And then on Thursday, August 18th, just 10 days later, the phrase, read my lips, no, no new, new taxes. taxes, was mm-hmm. uttered. That's by right. American presidential candidate George H. W. Bush. Correct. That was at the nineteen eighty eight Republican National Convention. Yep. Not get it. Wouldn't be prudent Wouldn't at this prudent juncture. At this juncture. Not get it. <laughs> uh, and we all know that later on it hurt him because he had raised taxes. That's right. Blah 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 blah. But that's when he said it. Yep. I am not a wimp. That's another thing he said. August twenty seventh, nineteen eighty eight. George okay. Michael's back with another song for that, that same album. This was the sixth, sixth solo single reaching number one in the U.S. And the fourth single to do so from the Faith album. George Michael joined Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston as the three artists who all had four or more consecutive number one singles during the 1987-88 era from wow. one album. Yeah. What's the song? Monkey. 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 Aye, aye, aye. Something like that. Da, 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 monkey. Off your back. Uh, the single version was remixed by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Remember when uh-huh. I told you about those? I yep. explained who they were to you. Yep. Now you know. I, mean, I can't believe you didn't know Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. I did like, not. I really got, we can move really, on from I that. can't believe I married you without All right. checking. We're moving on. That. And then Saturday, August 27th, that same day, yeah. uh, Philly reputed gangster Jackie DeNorcio, okay. in the longest criminal trial in U.S. history, fired his lawyer and defended himself. Oh, I bet that was interesting. And through charm, wit, and no legal experience, convinced a jury to acquit him and 19 other defendants of charges of loan sharking, extortion, trafficking, arson, and murder. Why didn't they have a movie about that? There's got to be a murder. I mean, a movie about that. That's amazing. Yeah. That would be, be a great movie. There's got to be a movie about that. Yeah. I'll have to Google that. Because that would be an amazing movie. Denacio died near the end of the shooting of the film Find Me Guilty, which portrayed his participation in... Yeah, so it is a movie called... Find Me Guilty? Find Me Guilty. Let's see. It's a 2006 American courtroom comedy drama crime film. Who's it? It stars Vin Diesel. Oh, no. 
That's you ridiculous. Would be, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, well, we, we can think of charm. Why would we get a comedy? Charm and wit. You think of the yeah. character he played? Yeah, I don't think of charm like and wit. When I think of charming Vin guy. Diesel. Yeah, he's the biggest awful d bag meathead. I know. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, they did make a movie, and it sounds like they fucked it up. Yeah, it, does. it should be Joe Pesci. That's who it should be. Yeah, and he has charm and wit. Vin Diesel's not even like Italian. He doesn't even. Yeah, he totally miscast. That's terrible. Saturday, September tenth. Guns and Roses take over the number one spot. Oh, Sweet you Child know, of Mine? Sweet, how did you know that was the one? They had like eight great songs off that album. That's the one I always think of when I think of Guns yeah, N' Roses. Yeah, that was it. Oh, wow, wow, sweet And that album, I'm telling you. Yeah, I, that's a great yeah, album. Sunday, September 11th, 1988. Mm-hmm. Oh, Edgar C. Wisenant. Mm-hmm. Wisenant, you know who that is? No. Edgar C. Wisenant, a former NASA engineer, wrote a book predicting that the rapture would occur in 1988 huh. between 9-11 and 9-13. And he sold 4.5 million copies and convinced many people. When it didn't happen, he published a new book predicting it in 1989. Did he just keep predicting? Then in 1993 and again in 1994. Oh, man. An idiot. Yep. Wednesday, September 14, 1988, Scrappy-Doo <laughs> is widely considered to be one of the most hated characters yes. in all of fiction. Oh, yeah. Has not appeared in an animated Scooby-Doo production since 1988 due to audience backlash. Oh, Really? This show was called Scooby Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf. That's the last. It was time the last Scrappy Doo. Scrappy Doo. Everyone fucking hated yeah, Scrappy Doo. Yeah, he was so annoying. Fuck Scrappy Doo. Well, it's like the Simpsons Poochie episode. When yeah, that's what was that based on, right? Yeah, I think so. Anytime you you add a younger character, yeah, or like in the different it's strokes, jumping the sharp, sharp. different strokes. Yep. It's Sam. Yeah, that's terrible. right. Thursday, September fifteenth, nineteen eighty-eight. On the back of Batman number 427, apparently, an advertisement was run featuring Batman carrying a severely wounded Robin. In the ad, readers were warned that Robin would would die of his injuries because the Joker wants revenge, but that they could prevent it with a telephone call. Two 900 numbers were given in the comic book, one which would let Robin live and another which would cause him to die. 900 numbers? Yep, yep, in the 80s. The numbers were active for 36 hours. From September 15, 1988 until September 16, 1988, readers were charged 50 cents per call. Approximately 10,614 votes were cast. Mm-hmm. That's not that many, really. Yeah, I guess not. Nowadays, we way more. Yeah. When tallied, the final results the final results were extremely narrow, with 5,343 votes in favor of his death or 5,271 for his survival. So his death won? A margin of just 72 votes, yep. Um, so people hated Robin. Yeah, and this wasn't even the original Robin. It was J- his name was Jason. I don't, I don't know, but a single person was suspected of casting 320 votes for the death of Robin. Jason Todd was the name of his character at the time. There was one guy that was suspected of casting 320 votes. Okay, uh, just to pay for it. Jeez, get a life, dude. Yeah. Saturday, September 17, 1988, at the opening ceremonies for the 1988 Olympics in Seoul, mm-hmm. a large group of doves were released to symbolize peace. Okay. And then the world watched in horror a few minutes later when those doves were cooked alive what? when the opening ceremony cauldron was ignited. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, they released all these doves. And they had this giant cauldron. You know how yes. there's a giant torch? Yeah. They had a giant like torch-looking thing. And they released all these doves. And the doves just flew up and sat on this perch. And then they ignited the thing. Oh, they my all, God. They all caught on fire. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> awful. Yeah, I watched it on YouTube. You did? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh, was it sad? Yeah, you couldn't. You know, just like one second. I know, but oh. You didn't like hear them scream or anything. But yeah, it's pretty stupid. Yeah. And then Saturday, September 24th, Bobby McFerrin made it all better. Don't worry, be happy. On the the billboard charts. Don't worry, be happy to go over. And and that made everyone happy. Everyone stopped everything they did and just smiled and became happy. Yes. And then 
Oh, but while Bobby McFerrin was taking over the number one charts and everybody was listening on the radio, mm-hmm. perhaps uh, it was on the radio in the car of James Brown while he was high on PCP oh and, and involved in a high-speed chase with the police. Oh, he probably geez. had that song on. He probably uh, did. Yep. And he was eventually convicted of assaulting an officer and possession of an unlicensed firearm, among other charges. He spent three years in prison for that. Man. Can you uh, imagine James Brown in prison? It was near the Georgia-South Carolina border when that happened. Yeah, he'd be great in prison. He would you know, be everybody great loved him. I know. You I know, bet. everybody was like, oh, hanging around the him. Godfather yeah, the Godfather of Soul. The Godfather of Soul was there. Uh, he, he eventually was released on parole in 1991 after serving two years of the sentence. Wow. Yeah, he was having a rough year in 1988. Yeah, he was. It was rough for James Brown. And then Sunday, October 2nd, mm-hmm. during, the 19, during the 1976 Summer Olympics, we're going to jump back to 1976 real okay. quick. Okay. They were hosted in Montreal, Canada. Mm-hmm. That they became the first host country to not win a single gold medal on home soil. And then during the 1988 Winter Olympics, hosted in Calgary, mm-hmm. they accomplished this astounding feat for a second time. So nobody at Calgary won Poor anything. Canada. Okay. Also, in 1988, table tennis became an Olympic sport. Oh. Listen to this. Larry Lemieux, a Canadian sailor for the 1988 Olympics, was about to win a silver medal when he abandoned the race to save two other competitors who had capsized. Oh, wow. He was given the Pierre de Coatron Medal for Sportsmanship. Well, that's good. That's, yeah, that's pretty something. nice, huh? Yeah. It's noble. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. But F those dudes. I'm going to win a silver. Unless you're a terrible person. Oh, yeah, that's right. I am a terrible, terrible human being. I've committed several crimes. Okay, what's next? Wednesday, October 5th, 1988. Mm-hmm. This was the site of a famous quote in politics. Let's see if you know what it is. Okay. The United, it was during the United States Vice Presidential... Something with Dan Quayle. 1988 United States Vice Presidential Debate in the Civic Auditorium in Omaha, Nebraska. Lloyd Benson said it to Dan Quayle. He said something about spelling potato, right? Nope. Oh. He said, Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy. Oh, Remember that? Boom. Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy. I don't remember it, no. Nope. You don't remember that? I mean, it sounds familiar, but... It's, it's, been, uh, it's become now part of the political lexicon as a way to... Uh, deflate politicians or other individuals perceived as thinking too highly of themselves. Um, Sweet. Yeah. So, do you remember that? You remember hearing that ever? I've heard it. Yeah, Senator I've heard it before. Jack Kennedy. Um, yeah, Dan Quayle was comparing himself to Jack Kennedy because of his inexperience. It was like John F. Kennedy didn't have that much experience either. Blah, blah, blah. And, it was like, oh. and Lloyd Benson was like, say, really? Trying to compare himself to JFK? <laughs> JFK. And he had planned to say that for a long time. Yeah. He actually said it during a, a rehearsal. And everybody was like, oh, oh, oh shit. He going to say that. Oh, shit. So wait a minute. Lloyd Benson said that during rehearsal to Dan Quayle? Not to Dan Quayle. Like, they did their oh. own rehearsals oh, like, I see. on their own kind yeah. of thing. So every, a lot of people knew it was coming. For a minute, I, I w- that doesn't make any sense, my question. Yeah, like they're going to rehearse debating uh, right. each other. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, not each other. But so Lloyd Benson's people were like, oh, shit, it's going to be on if he does that, if pulls that thing. So they were all ready for it. Um. Okay, and then Wednesday, October fifth, nineteen eighty-eight. That's Ryan's birthday. On Ryan Burkett's birthday, nineteen eighty-eight, yeah. a ten-year-old Michigan girl named Sarah York traveled to Panama to meet with her Panamanian pen pal. Mm-hmm. Turns out, her pen pal was the infamous military leader Manuel Noriega. I've heard this story. Yeah, her parents were criticized for criticized for allowing her to visit Panama and for encouraging her friendship with Noriega. Yep. York began correspondence with him after her father suggested on a whim that she should write to him because she liked his hat. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that guy's hat. Oh, you should write him a letter. This correspondence developed to the point where Noriega invited her family to visit him in Panama. Yes. Her family agreed to the visit, seeing it as a once-in-a-lifetime once opportunity. Yeah, they got criticized for yeah, it. Yeah, they got they all did. kinds of shit for they doing did. that. Like, what the hell are you they doing? They did. I would have done it. You would have gone, let your kids do that, go see him? 
I would have gone with them. That's what they did. Yeah. I would have. Yeah. You would have? Even if it was like Kim Jong-un? I don't know. If there was some kind of friendship mm-hmm. that developed, I don't know. Yeah. And he, like, that he wrote back to her? Like, right. that's amazing. Like, what in the world? Yeah. So maybe he's not so bad. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, there was a lot more to that story. Yeah. But I was like, oh, that was that's about the gist of it. It is. And then October eighth, nineteen eighty eight, Def Leppard takes over the Billboard. Oh, with love bites. Oh, that's right. Take, take me to my knees. And that didn't last very long, just till the fourteenth. Okay. Because on the fifteenth, UB forty took over. Red, red wine. I think it's the only song that they ever take close to me. Yeah, I think, I think we recently had that met at our theater, and I kept saying. The only thing you read so are they just going to play Red Red Wine for two hours? <laughs> like, right. They play the same song over and over? Yep. Uh, which I think they did. I think yeah. that was, wasn't that a remake too though? Yep. Yeah. If, what, who sang it originally, you know? No, I do not. I think, I feel like it was a reggae song. Yeah, I think. Or, or did they make it make reggae? Make it reggae. Yeah, I can't remember. Gosh. Red Red Wine, make me feel so fine. Yeah, yeah I think they, they, they made it reggae. Yeah. And then Thursday, October 20th, the 1988 World Series was the 85th edition okay. of the Championship Series. And this was the end of the World Series. Uh, uh, and the World Series is best known for the pinch hit walk-off home run by Dodgers outfielder in 1988, NL MVP Kirk Gibson. He could barely walk due to injuries and suffered. he suffered during the NLCS against Hall of Fame Athletics closer Dennis Eckersley in Game 1. The Dodgers were the only team to win more than one World Series title in the 80s. Their other World Series title during the decade came in 1981. Remember we talked about that? No. You don't remember that? Nope. I black out most of the sports. Now, although Kirk Gibson's home run has become an iconic World Series moment, it was MVP Oral Hershiser who capped a dominant 1988 season in which he set the all-time scoreless inning streak at 59 innings. Wow. Recorded five straight shutouts, led the league with 23 wins and 267 innings, and won the Cy Young and Gold Glove Awards. Okay. Oral Hershiser was the big shit back then. All right. You remember him? Yeah, I remember him, and I remember just, we always called him Oral. Oral. <laughs> that oral, was his name, so it's a good thing. Oral and anal Hershiser. You did not. <laughs> oral sex Hershiser. No. You Everybody's did not. Everybody's name being Oral. Yeah. Oral. I think he... I feel like he pitched for the Tigers or something for after that. Sometime. It was a weird name. Oral Hershiser. Anal. Oral and anal. <laughs> uh, Saturday, October 22nd, 1988. Phil Collins, your favorite oh. singer of all time. God. I don't know if you saw this, but I posted an Instagram picture of Phil Collins from 1986. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that you love him very much. I did not see that. I need to get on Instagram. You need to get on there because our Instagram fan, mm-hmm. uh, Anthony, he... He will say, yeah, why does Amy love Phil Collins so much? Yeah. Oh, he's trying to egg yeah, me on. He's trying to egg you on. So he's yeah. talking smack to you. So... Uh, yeah, he he loves that you hate love Phil, Phil Collins. Collins. Hate, hate, or he loves hate. it. I think you love it. Yeah, I say you love it. You know what song this is? I know. We got a groovy kind of love. Oh yeah. Anytime you want to, you can tell me you don't do anything you want to. Yeah. Anytime at all. That's all a right. remake. Yep. You know who re- originally did it? No. I feel like it was like a '60s song. Yeah, I feel like it's Motown or something. I no, I think it was like more like a Beach Boys type. No, group. it's girls, women, like Supreme. Oh, it was? I don't know. You're just making shit up, too. Well, we're, I both, am. we're both sitting here making shit up. No, I don't know, but... Uh, well, then why would you tell me no? Because I'm sure it's women. It's all ladies. How are you sure if you don't know at all? Well, I'm sure, but I also have no idea. That makes no sense. Oh, God, I think, you're, I think I'm wrong. I'm right. You're wrong. We'll see. And you can make a correction and apology to me. Well, it's written by. Where's my glasses? 
to- Tony? Jesus. You're falling apart. It's written by Tony Wine and Carol Bayer Sager, two women. Who sang it? Diane and Anita. Boom. So, <laughs> except your apology, you fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> You're not a bitch. This is good. <laughs> Jesus. Do you know who Diane and Anita are? No. I also don't know who the fuck Diane and Anita are. They're just called Diane and Anita? That's what it says. 1965. You gotta enlarge the text so you but can see it. When I clicked on Diane and Anita, didn't, they don't have a Wikipedia page, so I don't know who the hell they are. But it is two women, so. Okay. Apology accepted! All right, we're moving Boom! On. I'm right two times in a row. While we're apologizing, <laughs> let's go ahead and just jump right into this little thing. I'm going to snip into the next episode. I believe last episode I <laughs> mentioned a synopsis of a show and I purposefully didn't name the show All right. to see if you would know who what the show was. Yes. And you instantly knew the show yeah. and then claimed that you wouldn't have known the show if I hadn't <laughs> said it because you were so above that show that you That's would not what know I said. By, the distri- by the description. So I definitely said the show's name. <laughs> so that's the only reason you knew it was right. Growing Pains because why would you know anything about Growing Pains because you're above Growing Pains. All right. And, uh, uh, and you said, oh, even play it back because you'll see you said Growing Pains, you idiot. And I, I being the person that I am, yeah. knew I was right, but I also... Went ahead and just said, well, I must have been wrong, and you were probably right, because that's the kind of person I no, am. No, it's because I really probably was right. No, <laughs> you weren't right. <laughs> no, this is an apology. You're apologizing right now. This is No, we both listened back, and you admitted that. Yeah, all right, you all right. I admit that, but. So, now, what what makes you, as a person, yeah. insist that you're right no matter what, even though you're definitely wrong, but you continue <laughs> to insist that you're right. Like, you wouldn't back down at all. Like, not even one second where you're like, yeah, I could be wrong. But you were completely wrong, and I was completely right, and I backed down to you. Like, you never, that never happens to you? It probably happens to you all the time, and you just often. don't realize it. No, no, because I'm somebody who just assumes, oh, I must have made a mistake, and I apologize. That never happens. Even I, when never I'm comes right. out of your mouth. I do when I'm right, I apologize sometimes, and I don't need to. Yeah. I apologize too much. You apparently don't apologize <laughs> But maybe that's why our relationship works. You're just could be. bossy and I just let you be bossy? It could be. Man. So are you going to apologize? <laughs> no, I'm well, not. Well, how do I accept it if you don't apologize? You don't have to. We don't have to accept apologies. Well, are you going to issue one? <laughs> you, I'm not going to issue you, it. I deserve an apology. I'm not going to. Next episode, maybe? We'll think, I'll, I'll think bring about it, up, it. I'll bring it up every episode until I get an apology. So. <laughs> All right. On Tuesday, November 1st, 1988... Oh, God. I have like 10 paragraphs here. Jesus. I think I can just read the first sentence. The Harvard Medical School partnered with film and TV studios to insert the concept of the designated driver into popular consciousness. Oh. So, yeah, it, it was a huge success, and the Harvard Alcohol Project sought to demonstrate how a new social concept, the designated driver, could be rapidly diffused through American society yeah. via mass communication. Uh, so the idea was to just commercial campaigns to put it yeah. out there and show people uh you know have commercials about it mm-hmm. and they even were able to get television they got abc cbs and nbc all on board with establishing it as a thing yeah you know it wasn't a thing nobody ever did that before yeah they had a, harvard came out with this thing it was like we can make this a real thing and it'll save lives because people actually do it mm-hmm. so cheers la law and the cosby show all wrote it into the scripts 
where people would have a designated driver mm-hmm. and, and talk about it. Oh, well, here's your designated driver. Make sure you have a designated driver. And so they did that along with the commercials to establish it mm-hmm. as a thing. People did. That's pretty cool. To save people uh, from, from drinking. Dr- drinking or driving. Now, I thought this made me laugh because growing up in Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> yeah. And probably you similar Louis, for St. Louis, the same thing. Yeah. A lot of people drink and drive like our idea of a designated driver was, was I'm the designated driver. I'll just have three beers. That's right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, like five. I just won't get, I just won't do shots. That's like, right. I'll just drink beers all night yeah. while you guys all just do a bunch of shots. That's exactly St. Louis. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so I'm driving. I can only have 10 beers. <laughs> That's stupid. Yeah, it it didn't quite work right. Nope. But I'll only smoke a whole joint and three <laughs> beers. I don't know. But yeah, that's kind of. That's how it started. And then on November 2nd, 1988, mm-hmm. the Morris worm was one of the first computer worms distributed via the internet. Oh. Okay. That's interesting. And Morris was indicted for violating. Who's Morris? Uh, see, I think I forgot to write his name. Now. So this dude invented this worm uh-huh. and then he became super successful of a bunch of companies and stuff like oh. that like he invented a hack he's like one of the first hacker kind of inventing a worm to kind of fuck up the internet and it fucked up the whole internet well it wasn't much of an internet back then I that's don't true think, but uh he was sentenced to three years of probation 400 hours of community service and a fine of ten thousand dollars plus the cost of the supervision how long is 400 hours of community service like how long would that take you 400 hours <laughs> i know i'm just thinking would it it would be full-time for ten, for well, 10 40 months, hours, right? 40 hours in a week. So the Full-time for 10 months? 10 weeks. Oh, 10 weeks. I'm not bad. I'm bad yeah, at math. You're bad at math. Uh, anyway, Morris, the guy who did it, he said the motive was to demonstrate the inadequacies of current security measures on computer networks okay. by exploiting the security defects. And uh, he went on to, like, you know, have several computer companies and things. Okay. On Saturday, November 5th, mm-hmm. the Beach Boys... Yeah. Came back into notoriety with the oh. one song. Was remember it, their 80s number one was song? Was it Kokomo? Yep. Yeah. I do remember that. Aruba, back. Jamaica. Ooh, I want to take it to Bermuda, Bahama. Come on, pretty mama. Key Largo, Montego. Baby, why don't we go to Kokomo? Yep, that's right. We'll get there okay. fast and then we'll take it slow. All right. That's where we want to go. All right. Way down Kokomo. We do a lot of that. Um, we're going to get back into my story a little yeah. bit at this point. And, um, we are, huh? On Monday, November 7th? Yes. So my story is about the Death House landlady, Dorothea Puente. The what did you call her? The Death House landlady. The Death House landlady? I didn't know that was her name. I think it is. That would make I sense. I saw that a couple places. Um, she was a um, 60-year-old woman who owned a boarding house in Sacramento, and she had up to 40 Borders, yeah. and these are pensioners. They're old people. Okay. They, they get yep. uh, benefit checks, and they start. They have I'm started going missing. These yes, people have started to go missing. Started going missing. Se- several people so far have started to go missing. Mm. Um, and then it, there was a man named Bert Montoya that we talked about. Right. He was the kind Bert, of Bert was the guy. She she got him all cleaned up and got yes. him going. And, and really so a rough time we, and we her, go back to him. Oh, okay. Um, February 1988 is when he arrived at her house, mm. and so. Um, he disappeared. Right. Uh, he, t- he also disappeared, and then other tenants were asking about um, him. They were told that he had left for Mexico to visit his family. Um, before his disappearance, Dorothea Puente had already begun to arouse suspicion, but not with the police. Following complaints, she'd been running an illegal board and care facility. A DSS person arrived to inspect the facility. 
Although the inspector was aware that she'd previously been convicted for misuse her client, of her client's benefits, she was able to lie her way out of trouble. A field report later compiled by the same inspector declared the complaints unfounded. So mm. she got away with that. Then um, she was able to continue for a while until this other social worker who had sent many clients to Puente's home became suspicious when she tried to visit some of the people she had sent there. Puente told her that they had moved away. Initially, she believes the stories because most of the people in question were transients and had a history of wandering off. See, she's picking these people on purpose. I know. So she can just kill them and lie about them. And, yep. oh, man. In, yep. In the absence of any evidence to support her suspicions, Nickerson stopped sending people to the house just in case. And so then, you, know, you know that she turned away people who had uh, uh, good families. That's right. That would be. Uh, because that's they'd right. be, oh, no, I can't do anything with them because. There would be suspicion when yep. you start. Then um, on November 7th. Following a visit to the house, Judy Moyes, who is the name of the social worker, she f goes ahead and files a missing persons report with the police, saying she did not accept Puente's story about Bert having gone to Mexico. He was not the type to run away, she told them. The police accepted her complaint and went to the house to question Puente and look around. While they were there, a male resident passed a note to one of the officers, which <sighs> described how Puente told him to lie. Four days later, the police returned with a warrant to search the house and dig up the garden. Wait, when he passed that note? Yes. What did the... On on November, November 7th? Yes. It was the same day the Houston Oilers beat the Cleveland Browns, 24 to 17. Oh, okay. But what was on the note again? It said that he that she had asked him to lie. Hmm. Like it, when they're and so they just him. took the note and said, we're going to come back here. Yeah. That same night, there wasn't much else on TV except political. It was politics. It was uh, the election yes. time. It That's was right. election time. So the next day was election. So it was all political stuff. So nothing exciting. And uh, nothing exciting happened that day. That's fine. In the world. Um. <laughs> so, over the following day, seven bodies, what, including Bert Montoya's, were unearthed in her back garden. Because they started looking at the garden. What, what made them check the garden, I wonder? Well, it's part of the search of the house. Oh, they just searched everywhere, and that's where they found, and like, dig oh, up the, They got a, a warrant to dig up the garden, so that's what they did. One body, that of Betty Palmer, was missing the head, hands, and lower legs. The hands? The head, hands, and lower legs. It was just a torso with hands, arms. Why? I don't know. What did she do with the head? I don't know. Do it's, you think that, remember that a couple episodes back, that dude was banging the head in yes, the shower? Yeah. Think he took that head? Could, could have bar, she could have. To go bang that head, they sold it to that guy? Probably sold it to him. Was that in the 80s that that happened? Yeah, that was. Oh, so man, Maybe she's banging heads in the shower. At the same time. makeup. At the same time, the, the police began an investigation into the disappearance of Everson Gilmouth and Ruth Monroe. Oh, Everson Gilmouth, I forgot about that guy. Yep, he was later identified from his hospital x-rays, but no cause of death was determined. Postmortem ex examination of the seven bodies found in the yard revealed large con concentrations of the drug fluorazepam, or Dalmine, mm. as it is commonly known. Police later found dozens of prescriptions for the drug among Puente's personal papers. As the investigation progressed, detectives discovered that Puente had cashed over 60 benefit checks belonging to the deceased after their deaths. 60, huh? Yep. With sufficient evidence and a strong motive in place, the police made moves to arrest Puente for murder, only to realize they'd let her slip away while they had been searching the garden. What? She She escaped? got away. Yeah. Shut up. That's right. She did. And then my next date is November 11th. Shut up. No <laughs> way. Yep. They're finding all these bodies and yep. nobody's watching her? Right. Isn't like, it something? The second you see the first one, don't you like uh, keep on that old woman? Yep. Like, uh, All right. Sometime between Friday, November 11th, and Monday, November 14th. Well, Friday, November 11th, you mean sometime between Perfect Strangers, Full House, Mr. Belvedere, and just the 10 of us being on? Yes. On Friday, November 11th? I guess or so. also, This is America, Charlie Brown, 
where there's a NASA space station involved in Charlie Brown and the cartoon Kathy. There was a cartoon Kathy show. I don't remember that at all. Ack! Well, I know who she is. She always says Ack. I know. She's Apparently a they made a cartoon strip. once. Okay. Uh, Police Academy was on NBC that night. Falcon Crest highly, was on. Highly um, edited for TV. You think? Yeah. That movie was probably a half hour long when it was on network television. Police Academy? Yeah, it's bad. It is. It's just boobs for a second, right? I think it's got a lot of dirty jokes. Yeah, but you just like change the words, right? Dallas was on that night. Uh, but uh, do you remember all those shows? Just the Ten of Us? Remember yes, that? Was yes. it a spinoff? You know what it was a spinoff of? I don't remember. It was something stupid. What? 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 It's something stupid. Do you know who starred in that show? Who? What show? Just the Ten of Us. I can't remember. Coach Lubbock yeah. and his ten... I remember that. Eight kids? I don't remember who was played the people. Dan Kirkendall. That doesn't even ring a bell. Bald guy, and he did. He had a stand-up thing where he, he pretended to be a typewriter, and he tapped his head. But he was the coach. Uh, he was Mike Seaver's coach. Oh, okay. From your favorite show that you can name without knowing the title. Just <laughs> Growing Pains. Yes, right. Your favorite show, That's which right. we've established. And Annette Funicello was on Growing Pains, which you said during our vows that she wasn't. So sometime between November 11th and Monday, November 14th, Dorothea which, Puente had packed a bag and simply walked away. She was nowhere to be wait found. Wait a minute. So... Sometime between those days. That like, was probably when they were searching. Was between like the they were in and, and out getting by. Oh, more bodies. Yep. So she, amidst oh great God. embarrassment, the police launched a statewide search and enlisted the help of the FBI to track her down. Airports, bus depots, and railway stations were checked without result. She was later found to have laid a false trail by booking a flight to L.A. in her own name and never taking the flight. As a result, the Smart. police as a result, the police discounted Los Angeles as a possible destination. Another she decision that would come to cause them added embarrassment. Oh my gosh! So she just stayed there. Yep. So while the police struggled to right their wrongs and appease a disbelieving public, Dorothea Puente was safely ensconced in room 31 of the Royal, Royal Viking Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. So she was not far at away all. at Having all. Having booked in under the name of Dorothea Johansson, she kept a low profile and stayed in her room watching TV, only venturing out for meals. Oh my goodness. So, so she disappeared somewhere between just the 10 of us on Friday and Alf on Monday. Yep, that's right. Then several days after her arrival, however, she became restless and took a cab to a bar just two miles from her hotel. Wearing makeup and dressed in her best clothes, which I can't imagine that looked much better knowing like, if you can see how, a picture of this days, woman. How many days after? Several days after. Several days. So like, what would you say? Several is 10? Probably not 15, that many. Probably not six, that many. Probably just like four. So she just can't wait anymore and she gets all dolled up. Yep. And she goes out goes to, to these, a bar? Goes to some seedy bars. She just wants some action. But she please. soon came to the attention of one of its patrons, a sad and lonely man named Charles Williews. Oh, no. The pair soon struck up a conversation during which Puente introduced herself as Donna Johansson. Oh, as you would. That's a good That's name. That's right. And the conversation continued, and Donna weaved her usual magic to the I'm, point that when I she complained Donna. that her shoe heels were worn down from walking around town, Williews took them to a repair shop across the street from the bar to have them repaired. With Puente taking the lead, talk soon led to Williews' financial situation. Learning that he was receiving sickness benefits, she offered to show him how to increase the amount he received each month by filling out additional forms to capitalize on his condition. Oh, shit. While impressed by her knowledge of such things, he began to wonder how she came to know so much about it. Huh, how do you know so much about fraud? After a few drinks, she suggested they get together and share a Thanksgiving dinner. Boom. The idea sounded appealing to Charles, but for some reason he began to feel uncomfortable, particularly when she suggested they should move in together. <laughs> that same night? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we just move in together? Let's make this easier. Here, I can help you get some more money. Let's have Thanksgiving dinner. Let's, Let's move in together. Let's move in they talked for hours until Charles was able to excuse himself with the promise of taking her shopping the next day. He returned to his apartment, but was when, was unable to relax as something continually gnawed at his brain. It was only when he switched on the television that he realized where his bad feeling had originated. Uh. Donna was the woman he had seen on the television that morning, the woman who was wanted in Sacramento on suspicion of multiple murder. 
So what he, um, instead of calling the police, if you if you look up if you Google her, yeah, Google this woman's name, uh, Dor- Dorothea, Dorothea, P O R O T H E A Puente. Uh, she's hot. She's, <laughs> she she's definitely else, looks yeah. like a character actress that you've seen on TV. Yep. So um, he didn't call the police though. He called the CBS News Service and spoke to the assignment editor, Gene oh, cool. Silver. So he listened patiently to Wilkie's story before suggesting he watch a news broadcast to see if the woman he met was actually Puente. Charles did so, but was no wiser as the broadcast failed to show any photos. Which, oh, no. Why would they show him a newscast without any pictures? Um, smelling a breaking story, Silver then suggested he bring over a news photo of Puente so that Charles could be sure. Sometime later, Charles sat staring at the image that Silver had supplied, but was still unsure. Eventually, aided by Silver's gentle prodding, Charles agreed that the woman he met in the bar could very well be Dorothea Puente. Armed with his newfound knowledge, Silver then returned to his office, summoned a camera crew, and rang the police. With everything in place, the police, accompanied by Silver and his news crew, arrived at the Royal Viking at 10.20 p.m. and knocked on the door of room 31. Puente answered the door, momentarily blinded by the glare of TV camera lights, and was promptly asked for some form of identification. Which, with nowhere to run, she took her driver's license from her handbag and handed it to the detectives. If there had been any doubt as to her identity, it quickly dissolved when the police read the name on the license, Dorothea Malt- Montalvo. So the media and the detectives were there but her, her last name on her, her ID was Dorothea Montalvo, which was the oh. same last name as Bert, the guy from the beginning. Oh. And her address was four, 1426 F Street, Sacramento. And that was, they knew the address where all the bodies were found. Oh, shit. So within hours, she was whisked away to the airport where she was placed on a Learjet chartered for the purpose um, by the TV and the Sacramento Bee, which I think is the... Yeah, it's a newspaper. Yeah. During the journey, she told a reporter, I cashed checks, yes, but I never killed anyone. I used to be a good person once. She was later booked into Sacramento County Jail, where her property was found to include an envelope containing 3000 some odd dollars. So she was admitting to the fraud, but just saying they died of natural causes and she buried them? Yeah. So while she languished in jail, the police continued the long and grueling process of identifying remains and processing evidence. On December 11th, 1993, the judge finally handed down his sentence. Dorothea Puente was to be committed to life in prison without the possibility of parole. On hearing the verdict, a surprisingly buoyant Puente declared to her lawyers, I didn't kill anyone. And that is the story of do, Dorothea I, now I, Puente. I'm, I'm forgetting what we talked about last episode, but do we think maybe she didn't? Like maybe they did die? And she, or she poisoned them, right? Their heads were... Oh, that's right. Their heads were missing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, maybe, maybe they died and she just... No, I mean, I think... their heads. There's that, at that rate, I mean, that was like in a year's time. All of these people move in and then they're dead. And I'm yeah. sure they did. I'm sure they they did toxicology screens on the bodies, and they found the poison. Well, they said they found all that medication. Oh, she, po- she over poisoned. Yeah, them she poisoned them with yeah. Yeah. Which is what? Which, by the way, is what? How they say women overwhelmingly murder. Yeah, they say women poison is the poison is the choice. Yes. Of, or the the, the mur- weapon of the choice. weapon of choice. That's for right. Women generally. Yeah, that's right. Which because uh, it's nonviolent. Yeah, and women are better than men. Yeah. Generally, yeah, that's a, that was a good one. I think, yeah, that was exciting, and uh, what a what a quick crazy. crazy ending. Yeah, what a weird wacky ending. That's huh. right. On November eighteenth, mm-hmm. the animated Land Before Time, yes, was executive produced by legendary Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Okay, Judith Barcy, who did the voice for Ducky, mm-hmm. was murdered by her father four months before the film's release. Oh my God, she was only ten years old. Oh, my God, you're kidding. That's her, horrible. Her headstone includes her famous line in this film. Yep, yep, yep. Did you ever see A Land Before Time? I don't know if I ever did. I think I've seen the it with Land the kids. Yeah, I don't think I've ever even heard Maybe it. Henry. I don't know. I know it's is. a dinosaur movie. Oh, it is? Oh, that's the dinosaur one. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, isn't that sad? Yeah, that is sad. That's terrible. I figured you'd like it because you love murders. But that same day that came out, mm-hmm. 
Oliver and Company was the first Disney animated film to include the real-world advertised products. The what? It was the first Disney animated film to include real-world advertised products. Oh. More than 30 company logos and brand names were shown in the film. So not just Acme. A lost and alone kitten. Looney Tunes. It's about a lost and alone kitten that joins a gang of dogs engaged in yeah. petty larceny. I don't, I don't remember that movie either. Yeah, I think I do. I don't think I saw it, but. And then the next day that came out, uh, Bon Jovi mm-hmm. takes over the Billboard charts. Your love is like bad medicine. Yeah, bad, bad medicine, medicine is what I need. Oh, shake it up, just, just like bad medicine. medicine. Yep. What's he talking about? What's bad medicine? I don't know. Like Wait, your love is so. Your love is so. It's like medicine that that you want to take, but it's bad for you. Oh, it's not medicine that's gone bad, like expired. Medicine. No, expired it's, medicine. It's, it tastes so good, but it's so bad for you. Like the love is. Okay, because it's a crazy person. Yeah. Um, and then on Saturday, November nineteenth, that same day, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but did you know that Quentin Tarantino played an Elvis personator on an episode of Golden Girls? No. <laughs> yep, Sophia's wedding, part one. I didn't know that. Yep. Quentin Tarantino is on it. (laughs) (laughs) An Ellis impersonator. And then on Saturday, December 3rd, 1988. Mm -hmm. uh, It'd be funny if Quentin Tarantino directed that episode. (laughs) It was real violent. Real bloody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) His blood and guts and cutting cutting Sophia's ear off. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, December 3rd, uh, Will to Power takes over the number one charts. Remember that group, Will to Power? Nope. I'm not sure what this is. I don't don't get this. I looked it up and I was like, I kind of remember this, but it was a medley. Their song was a medley that took over. It was Baby, I Love Your Way and Freebird. Ooh, Baby, I Love Your Way. Yeah, and then they sing Freebird in the they middle do? of it. Yeah. They do? It's like that song and then Freebird. And then they go back to the girls singing Baby, I Love Your Way and the guy singing Freebird. I don't remember if that. I leave here tomorrow. I don't remember them singing Ooh, that. I know, baby, how free, I, love... I know how Freebird goes, but I don't remember them singing that. It's like one verse is Baby, I Love Your Way and the next one is Freebird. Okay. It's a medley. I don't know why. Don't, why it's called Free that? Baby, I guess. I, I don't... I don't know why that even exists or what no. the hell. Yeah, I don't know why they would do that. It's really an odd thing, but um, that's that's the thing. And then on Sunday, December 4th, we're wrapping up the year here, uh, actor Gary Busey was in a severe motorcycle accident. Yes, I remember that. You do? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I don't. That's why he's so even extra oh, I just crazy. Drugs. I didn't know that. No, but, he was in a bad. So he wasn't wearing a helmet and he was in a coma for 33 days. Yeah, he's got TBI. That's why he acts oh, like that. Oh, that makes sense. I just assumed he was always like that. No. I don't think I knew him before this. Yeah, he has, he has TBI. Well, yeah, in 2008, a psychiatrist determined that he had he had brain damage and uh, that's why he has an eerie and bizarre persona. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> His 1978 performance in Buddy Holly's story won an Academy Award. Uh, I didn't know he won an Academy Award. A nomination, I'm sorry. Oh. oh, this is just the article. It said, actor Gary Busey, whose 1978 performance in the Buddy Holly Story won an Academy Award nomination, was critically injured Sunday in a motorcycle accident yep. in Culver City, where Andy used to live in Pol- yep. uh, So he he was thrown off the back of his motorcycle, his head hit the curb, and he was oh. not wearing a helmet. Jeez, how did he survive? I have no idea how he's even alive. Yeah. But he, he opposed mandatory helmet laws for motorcyclists and, and appeared at a packed benefit the month before to raise money to hire lobbyists to fight uh, the helmet laws. Uh, the helmet laws. Why yeah. would you why would you be against helmet laws? I don't know. I mean, is that a controversial thing to ask? No, I think I think the thing is dudes who feel like they, you know, I know what I'm doing. I've been trained and I I've been riding motorcycle for years. I shouldn't have to do that. The government shouldn't tell me what to do. The thing with that I've always thought is 
I, I mean, I've been on both sides of this fence. Sometimes I think, well, do whatever the hell you want. What do yeah, I care? Yeah, but what? It, but somebody who who hits you in their car, the dif- the difference in their um, their psyche, psyche from whether kill killing somebody, you, somebody scrambled your head on the pavement. Yeah. So I guess that's one thing. But then I thought also thought, um, for the motorcyclist, yeah, you can be as trained as you as as you can be. Who cares? But you never know what you're going to encounter on the road. What other idiot might be driving wrong? Like yeah. you could be the greatest motorcyclist in the world and still get killed because some other jackass drove wrong, or a rock fell out of something, or something flew out of somewhere, and you know. So I don't know. But anyway, that was kind of. Uh, it's kind of ironic that he mm-hmm. was just the week before, like fighting, wearing a helmet, and then he crashed his head. And then the movie Twins on Friday, December 9th, nineteen eighty-eight. Never saw that. Uh, two real-life twins. Oh, here's the funny thing about that movie: two real-life twins were reunited with their father after seeing him in the scene set in downtown Santa Fe. Oh wow! Yeah, so there's a guy in the movie that had real-life twins, and they. That's not bad. That's him. not that like. Amazing. It's not? No. Well, you sounded like you were excited. I know, and then I started thinking about it, and I thought, it's kind of dumb. Arnold Schwarzenegger has always wanted to do a sequel called Triplets, with Dana DeVito and Eddie Murphy as a third long-lost brother. <clears throat> Jeez. DeVito pitched script ideas back in 2003, but Schwarzenegger was too busy running for governor. DeVito agreed with his decision, but doubted he would become governor. And then he did. But in 2012... The sequel was officially cons- confirmed. Oh, so they're going to do it? Apparently they're going to do it, even though it's 2018, and I don't think they've done it yet. But <laughs> From 1988 to 2018. Yeah, it would be probably funny. I yeah. can't imagine Eddie Murphy now. Th- I know, I can't imagine. It did. Has Schwarzenegger been in anything since he's been governor? Yeah, I think he came out with a new Terminator. Oh, he did? I think he did another Terminator, and didn't he do another Predator, probably, or whatever else he yeah. does? I think he did it. There was a new Terminator. It's like Terminator. Terminator Grandpa. Grandpa. Grandpa Terminator. Uh... Senator Terminator. And then December 10th, Chicago took over the number one chart until December 23rd with a song that, I remember this song, but I always thought it was Peter Cetera, but it's Chicago. You just love Peter Cetera so much. Well, he used to be in Chicago, and this was without Chicago. So every time I hear Chicago's playing somewhere, I'm like, yeah. well, they don't have Peter Cetera, so why would I fucking bother? <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but now I'm thinking maybe I should have listened to him because this song. What is it? Look away, baby, look, look away. up. When you see me oh. walking by it's and hard. the tears are in my eye. Oh, look man. away, baby, look So you're away. saying that's Chicago or Peter Cetera? That's Chicago. Okay. And this song, unlike hits from early in Chicago's career, does not prominently prominently feature horns. It's also the band's only number one single, single following the 1985 departure of Peter Cetera. I, it doesn't sound like Chicago at all. When you see me walking by. All right, by. you got a horrible singing voice. And the tears are in your eye. All right, away, baby, You're going to wake our children up. Don't look at me. I don't want you to see me this way. All right, enough. And there's a lot of people that come up to me and they say, hey, we think your singing is good. Your wife doesn't really, she doesn't, no, she doesn't nobody, have, nobody's coming up to you. There's nobody coming up. She doesn't have an ear. There's nobody coming talent, up to you, honey. But we hear some musical talent. Mm-hmm. You should go on The Voice. No. And then Friday, December 16th, 1988, Rain Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rainman. Rainman. Rainman okay, uh, was the new movie that uh, came out. Well, that's why it's called Rainman, you know. Rainman. Because his name's Raymond. But, but Raymond. when Tom Cruise yeah, was. Yeah, Raymond, not Raymond. No, it's, it's Raymond. his name was Raymond, but when Tom Cruise's character was a baby and he knew and he had the brother, he did, couldn't say Raymond, so he called him Rainman. 
and then he didn't the whole movie is that he he's this asshole rich asshole and he doesn't know that he's got this brother until one of his parents dies or something and then he finds out he's got a brother in an institution yeah that that has autism right and so then he goes and he at first he's a real jerk and yeah. then he it ends it ends where he's changed. Yeah, I saw this around. movie and remember I know. So you have seen a Tom Cruise. Yeah, movie. I've seen a Tom Cruise movie. And in fact, I thought of like six more that I saw. That, no. like I saw uh, the one where he's like, "You order the code red. Who ordered the code red?" I don't know that one. Uh, uh, a few good men. Oh yeah. A few good men. I saw that one and I saw Rain Man. Yeah. Rain Man was great. It is and, a good movie. Um, yeah, it was really good. Dustin Hoffman did a great job, and they originally want Dustin Hoffman was supposed to play the Tom Cruise character. Oh. Uh, but. Dustin Hoffman had saw some, what was it? He saw some uh, documentary or something on autism, autism and he decided he wanted to be the autistic guy. Um, he did a wonderful job. He did a great job. I very very sparkly, very twinkly. Very, 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 yeah. Of course, it just everybody then assumed anyone with autism was exactly like him. And I know. Go, could do something. Go to Vegas and yeah. play cards. Um, He's just like a genius in one thing. Yeah, I wanted to take every single guy with autism I've met working in group homes to Vegas and yeah. play cards. Uh, but on Oprah, Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman said that the farting in the phone booth bit was improvised when Hoffman actually did fart in while the scene was being filmed. Oh. And it was and Dustin Hoffman said it was his favorite scene ever. <laughs> Do you remember that? Kind when he of. farts in the phone booth, I barely remember that. Barely but, remember it. Um Here's another tidbit from Rain Man. <laughs> this is a good thing they didn't do this because it's terrible. Tom Cruise is at everything. Like, yeah. he, it was a good movie. They both it was cast very well. Yeah. The script was apparently originally written with real life brothers in mind. Oh, no. <laughs> Randy Quaid and Dennis oh, Quaid. Oh, no. <laughs> that would have been awful. Randy Quaid and Dennis Quaid. When they were writing that, they were picturing Randy Quaid. <laughs> <laughs> God. Anytime I picture Randy Quaid, I just picture him at Christmas vacation. He's supposed to be nuts now too. Oh really? Like somebody was saying, like you got to follow. You got to follow him on Twitter. He's insane. Like funny nuts. Or I don't bad nuts? like completely insane nuts. I don't know much about well, it. I've just heard people say. Well, that. you've sold it well because I'm going to start following him immediately yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, you got to follow Randy Quaid. He's and you can also you can also follow us at History for Jerks right. on Twitter, and you can see us uh, follow him. What are you doing? Why are you looking Is around? You're scratching. No. I'm afraid still is outside. She's right next to me. Oh, she is? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, I'm going to follow Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid? Randy, or Randy Quaid. Randy, Randy Quaid's Quaid. crazy. Okay. Um, and we're getting towards the end. Um, I got my toys. You have your toys? Yeah. Uh, on December 24th, right before Christmas, Poison took over the number one chart, and this is going to lead us into next year. Okay. The beginning of the next episode, mm -hmm. 1989. Poison will be the beginning. And you know what song it is? No. Um, here's a hint. Miley Cyrus covered this song, and her cover is fucking awful. Yeah. I don't know. That's how bad it is. I don't know. Okay, how about this? In an interview with VH1's Behind the Music, mm -hmm. Brett, Brett Michaels mm -hmm. said the inspiration for the song came from a night when he was in a laundromat waiting for his clothes to dry, and he called his girlfriend on a payphone, and he said he heard a male voice in the background, and he was devastated. Mm -hmm. He said he went into the laundromat and wrote this song. I don't know. Every oh, rose God. has its thorn. That's a terrible song. Don't you we think? both lie silently still in the dead of the night. All right, enough. Don't you think that's a bad song? Though we both lie Stop singing together. it. We feel miles apart. Stop. Stop. Honey, was it something I said or something I did? Stop my it. words not come right. right. I think it's a great song. No, it's awful. And in fact, I love you less because you don't like it. I've no, you don't. I've sung this at karaoke on several times. This song's awful. What? Yeah. It no, is. it's not all. It's, it's bad. It's, it's a bad great. One. Every rose. Ha Every rose nope. has its stone. It's a bad song. 
Though it's been a while now, All right, I can still feel so much pain. All right. Wait, what about this part? Like a knife that cuts you, the wound heals, but that scar, that scar remains. Will you stop singing it, please? Well, I'm just afraid you're not No, I don't like it. I remember it. I don't like it. Stop singing it. You don't like it? No. Stop singing it. Who are you? All right. Who did I marry? What's the next thing? Who did I marry? What is the next? I don't know who I married. Will you stop? I don't know who you are. All right. Okay. <laughs> is it my turn? <laughs> that's the that's the uh, Burt Reynolds. <laughs> um, I have one other thing, but I think I'll wait till after your toys. Okay. Why so don't you do your toys. Toys. Do you don't do fashion in this year? Did you? I don't have fashion. Oh, thank God, because fashion's stupid. Shut up. Shitty. Shut up. Shitty. I talked right. to Steve Brace, and he said, "Yeah, keep the fashion out. Your wife's a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> he didn't say that. All right. Um, the first thing is airless hockey. What? Airless hockey. Super slick, super fast, and super fun. Airless. Airless hockey doesn't need any plugs, and the action is just as exciting. Um, electronic buzzer and lights go off when a goal is made. Manual scoring meter over each goal lets you know the score. I don't, I don't know. What? I don't know if you noticed, but I left out hockey this time. Thank God. All right. The next one is... But you brought it back. The next one is Baby Grows. Baby Grows is as fun as two dolls in one. Just turn her special handle and watch her grow from a nine-month-old infant to a four-year-old toddler. What? She even grows teeth. Record uh, her growth on the what? chart that's included. Is it what? Is it a doll? Yeah, you turn her arm and she grew. And how does she grow teeth? They just would come out when you turn her arm, twist what her arm the back. Fuck! <laughs> Can you imagine that? What the hell is that? I don't know. What the hell? All right, the next one is called body wrap. Become an expert rapper with body wrap. Just strap on the eight sensors and keep the beat with dynamic drum and cymbal sounds. Sensors connect to case that houses a three-inch speaker, LED display, headphone jack, and on-and-off switch. I don't remember any of this shit. You don't remember that? What body about um, this one you won't know? It's, I have the Casio Rap Man. This is called Fashion Star Phillies. They, are, they were horses. They had long manes and tails to style. Each represents a different breed of horse. They come with a hairbrush and accessories. And they had all these n names like Nikki the Argentinian, Polo Pony, and Kala the Arabian... All right. When I Google body wrap, yeah. the first thing that comes up is body wrap, the worst things for sale. Yep, probably is. The next remember. thing is, is was a Barbie TV game oh, show God. set. What the hell is that? Sorry, what? Go ahead. The next one is a Barbie TV game show set. So Barbie was a... She's not a game show? She was a, yeah, she's a game show host. <laughs> she was a Chuck Woolery? Yeah, pretty much. Um, then there was Mountain Monster. You get 18 road-gripping tires on the mountain monster. Challenge it to climb over just about anything. It's articulated. Build allows it to climb up and over even vertical obstacles. Did you ever have anything like that? Mountain monster. That doesn't sound familiar, but I'm looking up his body wrap <laughs> online. Uh, look at that. <laughs> Stupid. Look at that. I can't really see it. It's just, I don't get what the hell. It looks yeah. like a leaf blower. Or like <laughs> something that's a leaf of, blower. Like it, oh, it's like a watch. They put it on your watch. Like It's like a... It's like a thing you put on your belt and your, something on your head, <laughs> and these people are, like, super excited about it. Yeah. Then the next one, my mom and dad this had the next rad. thing. There's a cowbell on your knee. All right. A bass drum on, on your leg. Sorry. It's just too, body wrap is the dumbest thing ever. All okay, right. Go ahead. All right. So the next one my mom and dad had, and it was the Pee Wee Herman talking doll. Oh, yeah. You pull a string, and it would talk. <laughs> yep, he would laugh and stuff. Then Transformers Optimus Prime, standing 10 inches tall. Yeah, Andy, uh, Andy loved that. It would transform like he had a truck. Truck. He was a truck, and he turned into a guy, and then his trailer turned into like a base. Into the battle station the with battle four station. powerful weapons. Right, yeah. And combined the trailer and cab into the ultimate transformation, Super Optimus Prime. But it wasn't big enough. You know, it was like not big enough for anything. Like, yeah. And the then trailer wasn't. The next thing was the Tasty oh, Bake the Oven. Bags, 80s. The what? Tasty Bake Oven. Was it the Easy Bake Oven? No, the Easy Bake was around before this one. 
Um, this one bakes cookies, muffins, cakes, and even melts chocolate for yummy candies. The door is released by a special spatula designed to keep child's fingers out. And a cooking guide just printed on the front panel includes metal cake, pie pan, cookie sheet, spatula, recipe book, and three cookie cutters. Oh, man. So I it, just had a memory of the girl next door. You know, the girls, I played with a lot of girls in my yeah. neighborhood. There was, uh, when I was real little, there was not a lot of boys. There was just girls around, so I would play with them. And uh, they had a lot of girl stuff that I was jealous of. Like, I, I was so jealous they had the strawberry shortcakes that smelled so good. Yeah, you wanted like, Why can't I have anything that smells good? You just had a stinky doll you talked about. A stink or That was yeah. later. But uh, I vaguely remember something like that. Like, they always had bake, baking things that they could eat a bunch of candy and food and yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's know. right. That was our, the toys. Oh, that's it, huh? Yep. That's it. Optimus Prime is the only one that No, matters. I named a bunch of things. Yeah, a bunch of crap. Hey, when, when did the Casio Ratman come out? I don't know. Oh, I thought you were a toy expert. I thought you I'm not. I'm not oh. toy Not yet. Not until the end of this. Well, my last thing charade. was something about selling things, but 1988 yep. was the first time that CDs outsold vinyl records for oh. the first time. Okay. Yeah, but not tapes. I'm sure tapes were still the highest. Yeah. But CDs sold out vinyl records for the first time in 1988. Okay. Gives us a real perspective. A little perspective. It really realizes, makes you realize. I mean, 88 yeah. was like, I remember everybody going, we're almost in the 90s. Oh, my God. The, the 90s. 90s. It's going to be the 90s. It's going to be the 90s. That's crazy. And I remember even back then people saying, oh, my God, can you believe that? Can you believe how crazy that Prince song is going to be in 1999? Yep, like I remember that. nuts in 1999. Yep, that's right. Oh, and then it's going to be the end of the world. Like mm-hmm. Everyone just assumed, oh, the world will be over. by, Oh, the world will either be over or there'll be flying cars by 2000. Right, exactly. Like, we will all be flying. That's right. Yep. And that never happened. And isn't it weird that back then the future looked like real bright like that? Yeah. Like, oh, we're going to be in flying cars and everything. And now when, and when we think of the future, it's always dystopian. It's a dystopian. It's always, yes. Yes. Everything is going like, to be. Honestly, whenever I think of the future, I think of destruction. Oh, I tell the kids mayhem. all the time that, oh, you will uh, you will be murdering people for their teeth uh, yeah. someday. And, um, and what, back in the 80s, we used to think, oh, it's shiny, glistening future i think our kids still think it's shiny and glistening yeah that's probably true they don't they're not thinking of it like that we are because we're gonna be dead because we're old you think all, yeah, you I think th- all old people think that yeah and i think that's why they get conservative a, and they get yeah and they all think that it's negative all these kids today don't know these millennials don't know what they're doing and they're like, yeah mm, you're gonna be like that so right. no i don't know i think it'll be fine it's all just I mean, we're living in a matrix anyway that's right nothing's real no there's not i mean this is all simulation so that was 1988 <laughs> that was 1988 in all ocho, its glory. Ocho, ochenta y ocho. In all its blazing glory. Yeah, I think it was pretty good. I mean, we had some good stuff. We had some... Uh, anal raping glory. Oh, what? In all its anal raping glory. Where did you get the anal rape part? I don't know. It just seems like it. 1988? Yeah, lots of ballads. What does that have to do with anal rape? <laughs> it, just, it does, kind of. I don't... Who, who are you? <laughs> we're really finding out who each other are, I think. We are. With it's we're coming to... So this find us really on. Like a, this is really like a set of marriage counseling. Find we us on Twitter. Yeah, we're on Twitter at History for Jerks. We're on Instagram. I don't even know what our name is because it's an at. Is it like Twitter? Is it at? I Maybe think it's it the is. Same thing. I don't know. In Facebook, we're on there. Yeah, at we American have a Timelines. Facebook page. And, you know, why don't you guys contact us and let us know where we should be because we're old and I'm we not, don't know. I'm not doing a goddamn Snapchat. Are we on Kick? What's, what's I don't Kick? even know what the hell Kick is. I, I know Kick Cereal used to be a shitty yeah. cereal. Yeah. But you know, that's isn't that enough social media? Is there a new one? Are they like There probably will be in any minute now. Is Friendster a thing? But Friendster. Insta, somebody said to me one day, I was like, Hey, I like your new Insta. And I was like, What's my that new, mean? What? That's that's what people call it. cool Instagram. people call it Instagram. Yeah. They just call it Insta. That's dumb. And I was like, Oh, what? All right. So it I, is time killed, to get I out killed, of here, Chuck Berry. I killed someone. All right. Time to get out of here, Chuck Berry. Uh get out of here. 
funny guy. Chuck Berry, he looks Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Matt Truman. Jerry Grace asked me uh, who he was. American Time Lord.